Hi, and welcome to the Wise Healthy Bites podcast. I'm Beth. And I'm Catherine. With a combined 27 years of experience as registered dietitians, we're here to share real life nutrition tricks and lifestyle tips that we hope will inspire you to make helpful choices in the aisles of the supermarket and in life. This is episode number seven, Be a Better Baker. And on today's episode, we'll share tips that will help you bake like a pro each and every time. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Um, Okay, so we're going to admit it that sometimes we fudge things when we cook, add a little extra, not add enough, but today we're talking about baking. And when it comes to baking, we really do need to play by the rules because baking is a science and it requires kind of exact measurements for things to turn out right. Um, And we don't often have all those creative liberties that we have when we're cooking. So today we're going to share some rules that we just should not break when it comes to baking without sacrificing the finished product, right? That's right. And I'll say that that requirement of precision is probably why I like to cook better than bake. (laughs) Um, Because let's just face it, we do both have some really great um, baking disaster examples to share. So I'll jump in first with mine. Um, Now, this has been a little while because I've learned my lesson, thankfully. But I replaced all the butter in a recipe with buttery spread, like the tub butter, which is like, you know, a little bit lower in in calories and fat and so forth. But the cookies ended up basically spreading across the entire baking sheet. So I almost had like cookie bars. Like one giant cookie. They did not puff up. They were flat. They looked terrible. I don't even remember what the flavor was. I mean, I'm sure we probably ate them because, hey, yeah, well, it was I mean, a it's still cookie, a cookie, right? But yeah. um, so buttery spread is, it's you know, it's got more water in right. it. So it really yeah. just doesn't translate yeah. like good old butter does. Yeah, so. sometimes it's hard to do those <laughs> Sometimes you just can't replace those no, uh, vital ingredients. <laughs> so I am, okay, so I feel like, I follow most of the rules when it comes to baking, <clears> but I definitely found some when we were researching for those that I don't. But... I tend to have a lot more cooking disasters than baking (laughs) disasters. We could go on for a while about those. But my downfall when it comes to baking is I usually leave things in too long Mm -hmm. because I'm afraid it won't be done. Like if Mm -hmm. there's egg in it or something, I'm just like scared it won't be done. And then usually it turns out really dry. Gotcha. That's kind of my big thing. So I'm trying to be better at that and just like knowing that when it comes out of the oven, it's still warm. Like it'll still continue to cook a little bit. So I'm trying to stick to baking time. See, more. for me, I actually almost try to underbake some things right. because, like, like brownies and cookies, like, yeah, I prefer more of that chewy texture right. versus crunchy. I know. But I'm like, is the egg done? <laughs> like, of course it is. It's fine. So. Let the fears aside this I holiday know. season. I know. <laughs> so, really, there are so many tips when it comes to baking, um, and we've picked our top 11. Uh, so, let's get started. Yeah. So, um, number one on the list would be to first and foremost, invest in some quality bakeware. So, if you're using uh, pans and sheet trays that are very thin, for example, they won't conduct the heat efficiently. So that can actually cause the cake, pie, cookies, or pastries to also then bake inefficiently, just right. resulting in kind of like a yeah, meh kind of yeah. you know finished product. And you know if you're going to go through all the work of baking something, you right. want them to come out right, yeah, of course. Exactly. So some good quality bakeware would be kind of a, a number one priority. Yeah. So number two, and this one's, I mean, these are all important, but I feel like this one's really important, is to toss the old stuff. Yes. So let's say you're getting everything ready. You want to 
bake a banana bread. Um, and the recipe obviously calls for baking soda. All right, you find your baking soda, great. Um, and then you look at it and it expired last year. And you're like, oh, can I still use this? Well, you can, but your bread's not going to turn out as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, it's time to toss it and buy a new package. So, and, and this kind of goes along with the majority of the ingredients we use in baked goods. So baking soda, baking powder, yeast, and flour, which we'll get into later. Um, they all have a relatively short shelf life. And if you aren't one that fires up the oven, you know, very frequently. <laughs> like me. <laughs> you want to maybe just purchase them in smaller quantities um, so they don't go bad sitting in your cupboard and things like that. And what I found, okay, there's a really cool test to test baking soda for freshness. So mm. baking soda reacts with acid. So put a little spoonful of your baking soda into a bowl, then pour a little bit of vinegar or lemon juice on it. And if it fizzes, then that fizzes like right away and a lot of fizz, it's fresh. If nothing happens, it's time to get a new package. That's such a great little tip because right? you wouldn't know otherwise because yeah. it looks the same. It, it always have looks like the a, same. an odor right. or anything like that. Right, That's right. such a smart suggestion. And then with baking powder, you put a little baking powder plus hot water and then if it bubbles it's good and just a note on the baking soda and baking powder they are not interchangeable in recipes yes very good to remind yes, folks they of that. both have different properties and they do different things so it's important to use which one the recipe calls for yeah that sounds good so yeah maybe you have a little experiment it reminds me of like a science experiment oh, I know, from right? like elementary school the kids have fun the doing baking that soda. yes i love it um great tips for sure so another one and again i'm guilty of this um I am too. when i do actually bake um <laughs> Ideally, you want to use ingredients that have been held at room temperature. So, you know, most baked goods, they're starting by, most baked recipes, I should say, are starting by creaming together the butter and the sugar that's kind of creating the base. Um, So it's definitely much easier if you have your ingredients already at that room temperature. Um, You know, so, and also, I think it's important to note regarding temperature, it's best to be working with ingredients that are of the same temperature. So working with hot things being added to hot things or ingredients, cold ingredients being added to cold ingredients. So pouring, for example, piping hot cream over uh, cocoa that's not really at the right temperature or it's not the same temperature, the cocoa fat can actually separate. Mm -hmm. So that then makes it look oily, unappealing, um, and it's just not kind of what you really want as your finished product. So most recipes will actually call for tempering a hot ingredient, for example, with a cooler one. So it just helps to make sure that the emulsion you know occurs doesn't seize or separate um you know and it kind of produces that result that you're looking for so above all you know keeping the ingredients kind of at room temperature working with like ingredient Mm -hmm. temperatures hot to hot cold to cold i've never done this with baking but i did this with soup once and it totally ruined the soup like the whole batch of soup i was so bummed yeah it curdled So, okay, so our next tip, take your time to fully complete each step. Now, this seems like common sense, but we (laughs) tend to just rush through things. So we're like, okay, well, why don't just mix every, dump everything in a bowl, mix it up, we're good to go. Um, But it is really important to follow the instructions in the order they're presented and then cool them completely. So in the last one, you had mentioned about a lot of baked good recipes start with creaming together the butter and the sugar. So you need to do that before you add the next ingredients. Mm -hmm. But why? Okay. So when you're creaming the butter and the sugar, the sugar granules are actually like sharp 
and they slice through the butter and they create air pockets in the butter that ultimately gives that pastry or baked good like some lift. So if you skip that step, your end result is going to be a more dense or heavy pastry. It's not going to be like that light and fluffy one that's in the picture. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is like, so pay a special attention to instructions like that. So cream until light and fluffy or mix until just combined. Because sometimes if you over mix, Mm -hmm. you know, that develops the gluten more. It deflates those air pockets that you work to create. um, And it just, it really affects the end product. That's right. So yeah, taking little shortcuts, you know, maybe on some of these steps, right. it really doesn't pay off because, yeah. you know, again, you you may be disappointed with right. those. Um, yeah, when it doesn't turn out like, like treats, the picture. Right, you know? exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm all about if you can save a little bit of time with cleanup, because I think that's one thing too with baking is it always feels like there's so many like oh very God, messy yes. ingredients. It's well, like yes. the flour is flying everywhere. The sugar is everywhere. It's all over the floor. And then it's like all over your clothes. Um, so doing what you can to avoid this, you know, messes and try to clean up as you go. So to avoid sticky messes, um, you know, so if you're baking uh, with ingredients such as honey, molasses, or maple syrup, for example, um, and I actually do this tip uh, I regularly. Do too. I learned so, this um, and I have never not done it. Now. Instead of having to then like scrape the ingredient out of the measuring spoon, a simple step is really just to spray with a little bit of cooking spray right before you measure, and then that ingredient will slide right out of the measuring mm-hmm. spoon into your um, into your bowl or, or whatever you're adding it to, uh, making the cleanup easier and it also then ensures I think that you get the correct amount right, because you're not like trying to like further scrape it you might be missing right. it it's not stuck and it may not that. really amount yeah. to much but maybe in some cases it yeah. could so it could affect the flavor a little bit yeah. so that cooking spray tip like within your measuring cup measuring spoons it makes such a difference um, you know with cleanup yeah. for sure yeah and so that kind of leads us into our next one which is don't use dry and liquid measuring cups interchangeably and Okay. Mic drop. I do this. <laughs> oh, no. I do this. And it's okay. So technically, yes, the dry and the liquid measuring cups will hold the same amount. But they're specifically designed to more accurately measure the ingredients that you're putting in there. So, you know, the dry measuring cups, those are the ones we always imagine mm-hmm. when we're baking. And so the liquid measuring cups are the ones that have the handle and the spout so you can easily pour from it. So let's say that you fill a dry measuring cup to the very brim with liquid. Like, oh, I got my cup. Okay. Well, the chance you're gonna spill something when you're trying to get it over to the bowl. Like I, I do Hence this the mess, I right? Do this every time I'm like <laughs> going messy. like really slowly, like trying not to drip. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the same thing is true if you try to use the liquid measuring cup for dry ingredients. Mm-hmm. So for with like the dry measuring cup, you put your flour in there. You can sweep off the excess with like the back of a knife. Well, you can't do that in a liquid measuring cup. So as much as you can, you know, use dry for the dry ingredients. Use the liquid measuring cup for the liquid ingredients. Yeah, that's that's such a kind of an aha moment that I also had when we were kind of working on these notes. It's like, yeah. oh, wow, like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's like sometimes those things are just like, oh, well, maybe that's why things didn't come out. And you mentioned the flour and really, you know, using that that method of using the back of the knife to, right, to, to level it. Yeah. That really does make so much sense. Yeah. And it's so important. And I think a lot of recipes even suggest, or a lot of like experts suggest weighing something yeah, like flour, to, yeah. for example, it's for real exact right. measure versus um, 
you know, kind of dipping it into the bag and then into right. your... Yeah, I do that too. I digress. Oh my goodness. I digress. So anyway, back to <laughs> storing flour in the fridge or freezer. Um, so again, you know, with all ingredients, you want to store them properly to ensure that their flavor is retained and that their color, texture, everything kind of is what you're expecting. Um, so light and heat in particular can help to speed up the decay of flour and that can cause uh, an even faster uh, decay if it's whole grain variety because it has a little bit more right. fat in it, a natural kind of oil from the grain. Um, so they become more susceptible and then can spoil. And so it's really important to store your ingredients in an airtight container in the refrigerator or freezer. Um, and then again, bring them up to room temperature before you use them. So mm-hmm. you probably don't want to use flour right out of the freezer, for example, yeah. um, and into your, your recipe. Um, so refined flours that have been stripped of the bran and germ. Um, so for example, all-purpose flour, cake, pastry, or bread flours are more stable. And those can then be just stored in cold, dry place. It's no warmer than like 75 yeah. degrees. So basically like a kitchen like cabinet a room or pantry yeah. or something yeah. like that. But not above or near the stove yes. where like steam can yes. come up and it can heat them up. It's the same thing for spices too. Mm-hmm. Like trying not to store any food. I feel like I'm getting off topic but trying to store any food like near the stove where the steam is going to hit it that's for sure um so yeah kind of to the side again or in a much more separate location is is preferred for sure okay so next think twice before doubling a recipe so i mean if you have a lot of people coming over for a dinner party or if it's just you or you and one other person you're like i'm going to cut this recipe in half um i just need to cut you know it's a matter of math. Just mm-hmm. cut it in half. Well, yes if and only. no. <laughs> I know. So when you're cooking, it's not such a big deal, but it is when you're baking. So it just kind of changes the calculated chemistry of the ingredients. And it can also affect um, like how fast it cooks. So let's say you're doubling a quick bread recipe and you put it in a bigger loaf pan. Well, now you've increased the surface area that's exposed to the heat and it can just change at the rate at which it cooks. So... If you want to do a double recipe, I would recommend like mixing it in two separate bowls. Like mm-hmm. put one batch in one bowl, one batch in another bowl, um, and put it in the proper size dish that the recipe calls for. That's probably the easiest way to double a batch. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to cut it in half, maybe just cook the whole bake the whole thing anyways and then just put half in the freezer later. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you think it would be like an obvious, oh, well, just again, do right, the math double to like it. double yeah. or, or lessen and it doesn't really work out that way, that's for sure. It is a science, just like it you is. said, which it is why really baking is. really does require that precision. Um, and I'm laughing that I'm the one kind of sharing <laughs> this tip because I am so guilty of this. You know, so you wake up one day, you're like, you know, it's a great day to bake some cookies. I don't want to wait and, you know, let the the butter, uh, for example, come up to room temperature, you know, within like 30 to 45 minutes. I don't have time for that. So I'm going to really expedite it. And then you throw it in the microwave. And what happens? Nothing good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, so instead of actually softening the butter properly and microwaving it, you know, what happens is then it ends up melting throughout in different sections, you know, and then when you add it to your recipe, um, the cookie dough may become more like batter and again, might spread uh, across the cooking sheet like my example and then it loses its shape Um, so it it just doesn't work ideally as you would expect so the best way to kind of speed up the process but doing it the right way would be just to cut it up in tablespoon sized portions and let it stand at room temperature so of course smaller portions will help to soften faster um, and then you're doing it the right way you're not going to damage your like end result product Um, so again butter that's too soft it also won't cream properly with that sugar and again that creaming step is so essential to creating fluffy tender cakes with like that 
delicate crumb and, and cookies that have the right like chewy uh, texture and so forth. So above all, try to plan ahead if you can. Um, 30 to 45 minutes to get to the right consistency or yeah. cut it into smaller yeah. amounts and then just let it. Yeah. Let so it I just realized so avoid that, that microwave. <laughs> three of your tips were had to deal with like bringing things up to room temperature. <laughs> so I mean, it, but it is really important yeah. that things are at room temperature when you bake. So that's a good one. <clears throat> Planning yes. ahead is is seems Which to be we talk a, about a all the theme. time, right? It's I like know. in yeah, anywhere planning ahead yeah. it can benefit you for sure. <laughs> um, okay, so the next one, short and simple. Don't skimp on the salt. So I mean, it's funny because usually we're like reduce the salt in recipes when you're cooking if you can, but when it comes to baking, you really don't want to. And it's not because we're trying to give the baked goods a salty taste. Like generally, they don't taste salty. But salt enhances the flavor of all the other ingredients you put in there. The vanilla, almond extract, lemon. Mm-hmm. Um, it just helps those ingredients pop. So put in all the salt that it calls for. Definitely. And I think along these lines, too, um, in general, you want to bake unless the recipe calls for it. Otherwise, you would want to bake with unsalted um, butter. Butter, you're right. Just because you are adding that salt. That's and a good the last tip. thing you want is an overly salty right. tasting, um, you know, baked good. So I think, you know, salt kind of, it is very important, but you don't want to overdo it. So right. using unsalted is is definitely preferred. Um, and again, back to the temperature piece, <laughs> which is so ironic. <laughs> we didn't um, plan on this. No. How this happen? Um, you know, so unlike cooking, um, you know, in most cases, you can kind of fudge, again, preheating step to save a little bit of time and get ahead. But for baking, you really have to fully preheat the oven and you can't start things baking before the oven has been preheated. So again, while it may not affect something like a casserole, um, you know, placing baked goods in an oven that hasn't reached the specified temperature can actually cause problems with the texture, the color, yeah. how much it rises. Um, they may end up also looking done kind of on the outside, um, but, yeah, but they may be um, kind of under baked like on the, the inside or in the middle. Um, so really, again, just like, preheating. It's kind of back to that planning ahead. Right. If you, yeah. you know, know you want to bake something, just take the step and, and do it right away. Um, and then you'll avoid uh, any surprises coming yes. out of your oven. I know. Whenever funny. I'm cooking, I kind of always put the food in before the oven is preheated but right. Right, like it doesn't matter so much right. like if you're roasting like, veggies I was like, just gonna yeah. say the same thing or yeah like a lasagna or something right. it, it really doesn't matter but yeah, for baking but again yeah. it's, it's all back to that very specific particular you know, science and why I like cooking so much better I there's know. so fewer rules <laughs> with cooking <laughs> let's break those rules alright Beth what's our takeaway tip for the week oh gosh uh, for best results again um, it's really important to be patient and I think we're finding too that you really do want to plan ahead and be thorough yes um, so making sure you have plenty of time to prepare the ingredients and go through each step carefully, that's really just going to deliver the best result possible. So not taking the shortcuts, kind of, you know, taking your time and then also planning ahead as much as you can. (laughs) Good tips. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. You can get in touch with us by joining the Wise Dietitians Facebook group. Simply search for Wise Healthy Bites on Facebook, or you can email us at wisedietitians at wisemarkets.com. The information shared in this podcast is intended for education only and is not intended to be a substitute for a medical diagnosis or treatment. The Wise Markets Healthy Bites podcast is owned and distributed by Wise Markets and Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation. Any rebroadcast or other use of this podcast without the express written consent of Wise Markets and Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation is strictly prohibited. Please click subscribe so you won't miss a single episode.